such a cool drum intro to a song. I am so happy this is my theme music. That's the band Big Brand New Day bringing us into another episode of Three Things with JR. And the fact that that music is this show's theme music has had side benefits I wasn't expecting. That drum fill, that that thing that uh, you just heard, we came, I came up with that kind of on the fly in the studio. We had some weird timing going on when we recorded that song, and that drum fill, we just sort of plugged something in that wasn't going to be the final drum fill that goes right there just so we could record the song and get it down. And so then we had to go back and I had to come up with a couple different things. I basically just, we just went through it about five or 10 times with me trying a bunch of different fills. And finally we found one that worked with the timing and everything and felt right. That's the one we used. And if I do, if I didn't listen to that every single time I record a new episode of this show, because when I hit record, I'm listening to that theme music and that drum solo, that little ba-boom, 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 that whole thing, it's gotten stuck in my head. And so I was really worried that I was never going to be able to actually play that when we play that song live. But we had a band rehearsal this last weekend, and uh, we had one a couple weeks ago, and I can do the fill. That's I'm so happy that I came up with something like that kind of on the fly. Without I, I didn't plan it out ahead of time. I was pretty confident I would never be able to recreate it, and that has not been the case. It's actually something I can do on demand. So doing this show has made me a better drummer. And that's that's you know, that's a big that's a huge benefit. That's that's amazing. So I'll take that. Three things with JR is growing. The number of people that listen each week is slowly going up. I am in really enjoying the fact that uh, of make, I, I'm enjoying making the show, talking to people, interviewing them, taking people that I know but haven't spoken with in a while and elevating them to a point where it's it's like a real interview, it's like a real show. And if this thing ever goes big, hey, these people are just normal, average, everyday people getting treated like celebrities on a cool podcast. That's what's happening here, at least in my brain. I don't know if you guys see it that way, but that's how I see it. This week's guest is not a surprise. I didn't call this person out of the blue. We'll be talking today with Chris Mullins. He's a co-worker of mine, and uh, as you will find out, uh, I get to see him pretty regularly at work, virtually, over the webcam. He works in a different location than I do, but we basically do the same job, and uh, we, saw, we talk to each other literally all day, every day. Uh, for the past month or so, and uh, on a regular basis, we're in constant communication. And we thought, well, heck, man, we enjoy just chit-chatting as much as we do working together. Let's make a podcast episode. And so I uh, I got him to do three things. We actually spoke for somewhere in the neighborhood of an hour and a half. And it was about 45 minutes into it that I'm finally like, all right, let's do three things. And then we continued to talk about his three things for a good half an hour. And what I have done is I have cut out the whole beginning part of that, uh, mainly because it's just him and me shooting the shit. And I don't know. I, I'm torn on whether or not you, the listener, want to hear him and me just having a good time hanging out. 
uh, or whether you just want us to gut, cut to the, the meat of the show, of the uh, cut to the cut to the chase, get to the good stuff, which is the three things, uh, which was the best part of our conversation. I think uh, I think it was a lot of fun. Put Chris on the spot. He came up with some stuff. Uh, we got a bunch of great stuff to talk about. So that's what you're going to hear is uh, him and me doing three things. And if you want to hear the rest of the show, like the rest of the interview, the rest of him and me just <laughs> chit-chatting, then uh, you got to let me know somehow. You got to reach out. Uh, you can do that on Facebook. You can do that right here on, if you're listening to this show on anchor.com, there's a way to communicate with me there. You can send a message uh, from anchor.com slash three things. I think that's what it's called. Uh, let me just make sure. Anchor.com's uh, yeah, anchor.fm slash three things with JR. That's the website. Go there and uh, you can click on message and send me a message. Uh, or you can hit me up on Facebook if you see me there. So let me know if you want to hear the rest of the of the interview. Uh, and if you do, great. I'll put it out. Maybe it'll be like a little bonus episode or something. Um, we can do that. Uh uh, the three things with JR continues to grow. I was just counting how many states in which someone has listened to this show. We got 50 states plus DC plus a bunch of other uh, territories, right? That are, are part of the United States. Well, we got 28 states plus Washington DC. Uh, and we, we don't stop there. We've been listened to in 15 different countries around the world. Which, adding that up, man, that's a big deal. Even if it's literally one person in South Korea that is listening to this show, I'll take it. I don't know who that one person is. I can't even imagine how three things with JR got on somebody's radar in South Korea. But it has. And that makes me pretty happy. So, uh, I'm kind of digging that. Uh, it's interesting, when I do these interviews with people, Chris is no exception, uh, our guest tonight, uh, when I ask for thing number two, I usually set them up to give me something that's inspiring them. Then, And I usually, I sort of throw out there that what I usually do is uh, some sort of a band, a type of music, a, a show, a, a particular song, uh, or it could be a movie or a, a book or a TV show or something in the world of media or art or, you know, stuff like that that is inspiring you. And most people come up with something completely different uh, as their inspiration. What's got them motivated and inspired right now? And Chris is no exception. We'll hear all about what's inspiring here, him here in a little bit. Uh, uh, but uh, let's see. Before we get to that, I'm going to give you my own quick little three things here, just because uh, it wouldn't be three things with JR without JR's three things. So there you go. Uh, here it is. Thing number one. The vaccine. Go get it stuck into your arm now. It is, uh, I've heard people say they don't want the vaccine because they don't know what's in it, things like that. Well, I'll tell you what's in it. The stuff that prevents you from getting COVID is in it. That's why you need it in you. The more of us that get it, the faster we will have herd immunity, the faster we can go back to hanging out with each other and doing fun stuff. Uh, and so please go get the vaccine. Uh, I've got my, both my shots and I am now fully vaccinated 14 days, more than 14 days out since I got my second shot of the Pfizer vaccine. And I 
feel great, and uh, I've, uh, I want everybody to uh, feel as good about it as I do. So if you're unsure, do some research. I think you will find that uh, the science backs up the claims about the vaccine. It freaking works. How about another thing? Thing number two. Two of my favorite bands have recently, just this last week, dropped new albums, and they are heavy hitters. Royal Blood uh, is one of them. Royal Blood is a a two-person band. It's a duo. It's a drummer who just simply drums. He doesn't sing or do anything else. He just freaking wails on the drums uh and the lead singer also he plays a bass guitar through a bunch of octave pedals so it sounds like real guitar and bass kind of all at the same time two people should not be able to make as much noise as these guys do but they they freaking rock uh so royal blood's new album uh called typhoons and uh, the other new album is by the dropkick murphy's uh, my favorite uh, sort of Irish punk rock band out of Boston. And uh, they just dropped a whole new album, uh, and it is called, what is it called? Turn Up That Dial. Uh, and both of them, excellent. If you need something to pep you up and get you rolling in the morning, drop either one of these albums into your Spotify or whatever it is you listen to music on. And jam because they are great royal blood typhoons dropkick murphy's turn up that dial thing number three i want to tell you about a sort of attempted rock and roll moment i had uh my my former band ice house road country band but we kind of rocked uh i certainly saw it as a more of a rock band than a country band but our first big show uh, was uh, our first actual show was at a bull ride in Gordonsville, the BLM uh, bull rides. But our first show, like you know, at night in a in a venue made for music, was at a club in Harrisonburg, Virginia, called Rock Town. And I was so excited that we got this gig, mainly because I had been to a couple shows there. The first show I had seen there was uh, Cross Canadian Ragweed, who is uh, very much the inspiration for a lot of uh, the sound and the feel of Ice House Road. Bobby Sims, lead singer of Ice House Road, heavily inspired by them. He brought me to this show and uh, amazing. Cross Canadian Ragweed was great. But the opening band, I had no idea what I was in for. The band was called Cowboy Mouth. They're out of Louisiana. The lead singer is also the drummer. He sits front and center on the stage, and uh, he makes a a regular habit of whenever he gets to like a cool stop in a song, he'll take his drumsticks and throw them into the crowd, grab two more sticks, and keep wailing on with the song. It was such a cool move. He probably did it 20 times in in an uh, hour-long set, and I did get a set of drumsticks out of the deal, but... I knew that if I ever played that same stage, that I was definitely going to throw my drumsticks at some point in the show. I don't have 20 pairs to throw out like he does. He's probably got a sponsorship deal, but I knew I was going to try it. And so it was the last song of the night. Uh, It was called Wanna Rock and Roll, and it's just a sort of a ball-busting song. Like, it's heavy, it's rocky, it's awesome. And at the end of it, the crowd was going crazy. We were going crazy. We loved it. The song finally comes to a finish. The crowd is there. They, I guess, maybe didn't realize the song was over because uh, they maybe like we were going to keep going or something. But there was basically total silence right at the very solid, quick ending of the song. And I hit that last drum thing, and I took both sticks, and I threw them up into the air right into the audience. And uh, apparently nobody noticed 
and those drumsticks hit the ground. And it sounded like if I was in an empty warehouse with just literally nothing in it, and I threw two drumsticks across the room and they just kind of bounced and ticked all over the floor. That's what it sounded like at the end of our show. Uh, and uh, I, 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 it, was, it was the coolest moment of my drumming career from the point where I finished the song and threw the sticks. It was amazing. And then it was an immediate letdown as soon as they hit the floor and nobody even noticed that I had thrown the drumsticks. Uh, such a bummer. But... I uh, I still remember that show fondly. I've never been paid more for a gig since then, and I've, uh, I've that's probably arguably my the coolest gig I've played ever. Uh, I hope to someday equate that or maybe even exceed that at some point. So it was pretty awesome. Uh, all right, that's my three things. We're gonna get into some Chris Mullins. I'm gonna give you a little taste of what you're gonna hear before we go to the commercial break. So. Here is uh, a little outtake, a little, uh, a, just a little taste of Chris Mullins and me shooting the shit. And then when we come back from break, we're going to get into three things with Chris Mullins and me. Be right back. I don't have a lot of original content here, but if you ask good questions, uh, you know, I, I've got wit and some quips and stuff like that. We can make it fun. Um, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, I, I'm recording. You said something just like two minutes ago. It was colder than a dog doing something. What was that quick thing you said? <laughs> I said I was shaking like a dog shitting peach seeds. Shaking like a dog shitting peach seeds. Uh, <laughs> is is this a thing that happens on the regular down in Southwest Virginia? Like, how do you know that that's what is happening with the dog? Where did this it's just I, like? Where did this well, phrase I mean, it's come just from? Like what it is. I mean, if you were trying to push out a peach seed, wouldn't you think you'd shake? I, I think I'd be in pain. Maybe, yes, although a peach. Oh yeah, peach peach pit. That's a big one. Yeah, that's so, a big one. You yeah. wouldn't be eating peach seeds, but a dog is stupid enough to eat a peach seed. So yeah. they eat the whole damn thing. So then, when they're trying to push that big peach, that I, big. I think the uh, pit out, they shake. I think the phrase works better if it's a dog shitting out a peach pit. Because when you say peach seed, I don't think about how big a peach pit is. A peach seed sounds like a, a, a tiny little thing, uh, but a peach pit that's sounds the, extremely painful. That's the thing about these uh, Southwest Virginia-isms, though. Most of them don't make a bit of sense, but it, they're still they get a reaction every single time. Yeah. So if you, you if, know? you if you have because any, that is that is technically literally the seed. Yeah. No, I get it now. Like it literally took. <laughs> I, I had to think it through until I realized. Oh wait, the seed is the peach pit. That's the seed. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I think I'd be shaking like before it happened because I'd be nervous about what's about to come out of my ass. Right. Yeah, because they're not only is it big, but. That son of a bitch is like grainy and hard and yeah, scratchy. It, it looks like a it looks like a petrified brain, right? <laughs> <laughs> wake up, wake up, wake up! There's no time for play. Get up, get up, get up! It's a brand new day. Uh, I'm talking today with a person who I talk to every damn day. 
<laughs> at work. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. <laughs> right. We, we, are, we cannot escape each other. I think we need to do three things. Uh, and uh, we've been talking about getting together to do this podcast for a couple weeks now. And I know you've been worried about this uh, and uh, being put on the spot. But I got to tell you, I, I call people out of the blue and put them on the spot and they always come up with something. So here, <laughs> here's how it works. Uh, thing number one is uh, tell me something deep, a deep thought you've had. This could have been something that an epiphany that occurred to you recently, uh, just words of wisdom your grandfather gave you. Just any kind of any kind of deep thought like that, maybe a life's motto, something along those lines. Uh, I'll bet you got something already. I can see it on your face. Yeah, I got something. I, I can. That was pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, good layup, by the way. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so Crutchfield, or actually Norton Wise Chamber of Commerce, does what's called Ford Wise County. And Crutchfield has always tried to put somebody through that. It's it's basically like a leadership program. It's about 10 weeks. And uh, <clears throat> you you meet you go you basically meet a lot of leaders in the area. You know, like you'll you meet uh, people on the uh, economic development committee, uh, you meet Norton Town Manager, um, all kinds of different people, leaders of hospitals, uh, you know, administrators that kind of thing, um, local district attorney. So they, they do about an hour and a half presentation every Monday night for 10 weeks. And then at the end of the 10 weeks, um, you know, everybody in the class votes on a keynote speaker for the following year's graduation. So, you know, once you make it through the leadership program, um, you graduate, you go to the local, you go to the uh, Lonesome Pine Country Club here, which is local golf course, country club. A lot of big wigs show up, uh, you know, room full of suitors kind of thing. <laughs> and last year's, uh, whoever voted or got voted in to do the keynote speech, they give the keynote speech to the previous year's graduates or that the current year's graduates. I'm sorry. And, uh, so when I did when I did Ford Wise County, uh, and like I said earlier, in my adult years, I pretty much have put that introvert side of me away, um, and and pretty much extroverted in most all situations. And Ford Wise County ten weeks was no different, <laughs> and that landed me the winning vote for keynote speaker. Oh wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, it seems like a good thing, but um, when I was, when they voted me to be the keynote speaker, I knew it was a year away, but I almost had a panic attack at the very second that they said, <laughs> we vote Chris. <laughs> uh, I've never been a public speaker. Uh, I, that's just not been my deal. And it's weird, I know, because, you know, I'm in front of people in a training class every day, all day when we have training classes, but you know, it, a lot of it depends on the content, you know, and you know that, yep, you know, when yep. you're doing comedy, things like that, if you're a hundred percent confident in your, uh, your joke or your entire act or whatever it might be, you're going to present yourself differently than if you have a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. And at that point I had a severe lack of confidence in public speaking. I didn't want to do it, but, um, my daughter had, just recently, um, 
started doing some, uh, she was in dance, dance class. And she'd been doing some, you know, they do a, a show every year, you know, it's just like the dance class, they work on it, but then they do competition dance. And she was just starting to kind of dabble in competition dance and she was going to do a solo. So, you know, she was going to get up on the stage in front of easily 60 to 80 people at a time and do this dance solo. And she was at that point in time, I want to say maybe 11 years old. And so, you know, I, I felt like, well, how in the hell can I turn this down because I'm scared of public speaking when my 11 year old daughter can get up on the stage and dance in front of 60 or 80 people. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You gotta lead you by know, example. I, I gotta do it. You know, I gotta do it. It's going to, it's going to be painful and I might make a fool out of myself, but if she has the gumption and the intestinal fortitude to do it, then what kind of example would I be if I backed out of it? So I did it and I dreaded it for a year and I wouldn't say I thought about it every day, but I'd say I thought about it every three or four days. Um, and I wrote probably 20 speeches and when it was all said and done, it was, uh, I basically read off of a piece of paper and it was only about a, I think about a three, three and a half minute speech, which was shorter than I'd made it when I rehearsed it 50 times. Right. Um, but the content was good. It was just, I, I mean, my hands were shaking and I was nervous, didn't want to do it, but I did it. And uh, one of the things that I talked about in the speech was surrounding yourself with motivated people. So that's the short answer to your question. If I have a motto about life, you're going to be, and this is not me, this is not new, this is not original by any shape, form, or fashion. There's probably been a hundred other people that have said it, but you basically are who your five closest friends are. So, you know, in life, work, as a parent, um, as a friend, husband, wife, whatever, you know, if you surround yourself with motivated people, then you're going to do better stuff on a daily basis, period. It doesn't matter. You're not going to be perfect and you're never going to get everything right, but you're going to do better than if you were hanging around people that are lazy, hanging around people that are non-motivated, people that are just mailing it in on a daily basis, don't take pride in a job well done, that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, in the end, I made it through that speech just fine. That was a, a point Dan sent out an email, and that was one of the things that he um, congratulated me for was that statement in the speech. And uh, I made it, and I didn't die. <laughs> you live <laughs> to tell about it and the speech must have been even though it was short and sweet um it must have been pretty decent because the head of the chamber of commerce um asked me to come to speak to uh, a local group about ford wise county and kind of sell them on the benefits of ford wise county and what it can offer and that kind of thing so uh, at least it was a tiny bit impactful surround yourself with good people that's right. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I knew it. I knew you could do it. 
Uh, thing one done. <clears throat> thing number That's two. That's all I got. There, no, well, no, we're not done. <laughs> we got two more things. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to have no problem with thing number two as well. Uh, usually, uh, when I started doing three things, I would always sort of pick something that I was uh, into. Like it was always always music related, but it doesn't have to be. It's like basically I've boiled it down to what's inspiring you right now, and it could be a, uh, an artist, a band, a song, uh, a TV show, a book. Uh, anything like that. It doesn't even have to be that. I don't want to constrain you on this, but what basically boiling, boiling it down to what's inspiring you right now? Oh man. So I guess the, uh, well, I don't guess I know the, the key words there are right now because, yes. um, I am a super flighty person when it comes to what's intriguing me, what's got my attention, what my hobbies are. Um, what I'm focused on, things like that. Um, and I mean that in a way that sounds positive, but it can be up to a fault um, uh, because I can get obsessed with it sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you say super um, flighty? Is that, what, is that the word you said? Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, yep. Um, so, you know, it's... It, I don't know if that's the correct word, but what I mean here is basically um, I'm focused on one thing one day and then uh, on a dime I can turn and be focused on another thing another day. Yeah, this is and, a, another way in which you and I are similar, right? One one day I could be listening to Metallica on the way to work. The next day I'm listening to uh, a book, an audio book, a biography about George Washington, right? And, see, yep. yeah, and either way, I'm totally into it. Same way, uh, you know, one, uh, I've went and I go through basically about four stages <laughs> it's, and that's so funny that you mentioned it like that. Cause yes, it is. It's a real commonality, commonality. Um, because I'll go from like, I went for, from the time my daughter was born until she was probably six years old. Um, I never turned the stereo on in my vehicle ever. And when I mean ever, I mean it in the most literal sense. Wait, like, so so I, let me let me let me explore that for a second. A person you you uh, self proclaimed car stereo person since well before working for a company that sells car stereos. Uh, so self motivated, you're into it. You've installed it. You like it. Uh, you get married and have kids, and for your daughter's first six years, you you didn't turn your stereo on and play music for her while you're driving maybe not one single time over and, the whole time and it, was this because you were concerned about her ears or nope. what like what's the what's the rationale there it was totally self it was self-inflicted or self-motivated whatever you want to call it but basically um and i had a nice system in there i had a uh, i don't know if you remember it but i had a red ford f-150 i remember a standard cab and uh, that was a really back, nice truck. That was back before you, uh, you know, decided to do other things with vehicles. I don't understand how you went from that to driving a Jeep. But, okay, that's beside the point. Because uh, <laughs> red Ford F-150s are still where it's at. But, okay. That might be thing three. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, and I, I mean, seriously, I had an Alpine stereo in there. I had some nice speakers. There, I had an amp in there. Everything, it sounded fantastic. But. Um, it was like when, when I was at home, I was 
100% overstimulated. You know, adding a baby to your life and you've had a kid, you know, it's yeah. like there's a different level of stimulation there. Um, and it was like, it, and I didn't even notice it maybe for maybe a couple of years that I hadn't turned the radio on. It was the strangest thing, but I completely checked out of music for a long time because when I got in my truck, all I wanted to hear were the gears shifting, the exhaust, making that, making that 5.0 Ford sound. And that's all I wanted to hear. It just, it was more relaxing than music. And it's just, it was kind of an escape. So when I got in my vehicle, it was not about music. It was about getting away from stimulation in that way. I was stimulated differently. So I, I thought the it had more to do with when your daughter was in the truck, you wouldn't turn the stereo on. But you're saying no, no. even no, when no. it was you driving solo, you wouldn't listen to music. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've drove. Um, well, and it, I still do it sometimes to this day. Uh, the last trip I made to Charlottesville, um, what was it fall before last, I guess? Yeah. When Charles and I came up. I remember, yep. Uh, I remember that trip specifically. I drove from here to Charlottesville with absolutely nothing on. Hmm. It was just like, it was like a time to think, a time to reflect. I was on, I was by myself because, you know, you know, I had a stepson when I got married. So it was me, my wife and my stepson. So I, I married right into having a kid Yep. and then had, a, had, had my own kid. So, you know, you're a young guy and, you know, you come home from work, you, you go, it's like, I almost went from being like, cause we were only married two years, I think before we had Emily. Um, but, even with Christopher, you know, coming into him being part of our family when we got together, it was like I went from being just a single guy, happy-go-lucky, stimulation only when I want it, to stimulation and I cannot avoid it. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so then when Emily came along, you know, you got a crying baby and – you know, you, you've got to be on point mentally with the newborn for, I mean, you know, until they get past that point where you're worried about them cracking their head on the side of the coffee table. <laughs> you know, it's like when I would come home and I was like, I'm super paranoid with her, uh, you know, so every little thing kept me on edge. I'm a little bit of a nervous person anyway. So it was like when I got the opportunity to be by myself, I wanted to be by myself and I wanted to shut everything out. So, yeah, I, I shut it out for a long time. Didn't even listen to it. Yeah, so this would be a, a way in which we're very different because I, my drive to work, my drive in my vehicle, like driving in a car, uh, for me, almost never happens uh, without something playing on the radio. Uh, yeah, and it it's fine with no matter what it is. It's either music or podcasts or audiobooks these days. Uh, but uh, if you used to just be music uh, all the time, yeah, uh, and loud, uh, and there's been occasions like once every couple of months, I might drive 
20 or 30 minutes without turning anything on. And it's weird when I do it. It's like, it's one of those, it's one of those times when not only am I not listening to anything, but I'm also not in a hurry. I'm not driving fast. I'm maybe even on purpose driving at a leisurely pace under the speed limit, like, which is just not how I drive. I'm not a speed demon, but I mean, I go at least the speed limit. Uh, and there'll be yeah. times when I'll be doing well below the speed limit, listening to nothing, just in a weird sort of melancholy mood. And it's it's kind of nice, but it's literally 20 or 30 minutes. And then that's all of that. That's done. Like, uh, it's back to Metallica or whatever else I want to listen to. After yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. My wife is, uh, and this is going completely off topic, but we'll get back to the original question. I'll, I'll make that short, I promise. But, you know, my wife is kind of like what you explained. Like, she cannot get in a car. If she got in a car and there were four people and they were all her friends and she literally wanted to have a conversation with all four of them, she would still have music going. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, if you're trying to talk to people, just shut the music off for one. But so that one drives, that one drives me crazy. So it's like, it's just fodder. You know what I mean? Sometimes just, it's just there for fodder. And I'm like, that's not the way I want to listen to music. Because I mean, generally if I'm listening to music, I want to feel something. I want to, I want to hear something. I want to focus on music and just driving down the road with some shit in the background is not giving me what I need out of music. So I just would rather shut it off until I'm in the mood to dig in. But that's not the way she listens to music. And that's okay. It's totally okay. I'm not saying it's bad. That may be the way you listen to music. It's just not the way I do it. You know, when I dig in, it, I'm there. And that's what I'm going to listen to. And I'm, I've got my mind set on a genre or a band or something. And I'm digging in. It's, you know, it's music time. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, driving to, you know, we've... You know, my stepson went to VCU in Richmond. Emily goes to Virginia Tech. So we've made, oh my God, I don't know how many trips up and down 81 in the last 10 years. Um, right. Because Christopher graduated quite a while ago. And uh, it always drives me crazy when Michelle's messing with the radio because there might be 40 songs that start and she might finish three of them. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? It's not, that don't, that's not the way it works. Just pick something and listen to it. You know what I mean? Yep. So it, it, it's just a different way. People like, you know, I'm more about like, uh, I like to hear the rhythm. I like to hear, um, I like to listen for uh, timing because I suck at timing when I play guitar. So I try to focus on that. And, um, but I suck at lyrics, like totally. Like I, I could listen to a song a hundred times. And if you ask me to repeat the lyrics, I give the chorus and maybe half a verse and that's it. Um, but you know, I can drum along with the sound or whatever really well, because that's kind of what I dig into. Um, so It's just a, you know, I think everybody, I don't think, I know, I've been in the industry long enough, everybody gets something different out of music. They yeah. listen to it in a different way. That's why there's so much of it, and that's why there's so many different ways to listen to it, period. So, 
yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. But what I was going for, something that uh, I guess is intriguing or important to me right now, um, you know, it wouldn't be a conversation with me if it didn't involve cornhole just a little bit. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we got this far into the conversation and the word cornhole hasn't come up yet. Uh, so is there a band called cornhole or are we going to talk about, uh, uh, is there a song called cornhole, uh, or are we going to talk about the actual game of cornhole as an inspiration to you right now? We're just going to talk about the game as okay. an inspiration. So, um, yeah. Uh, so as you know, um, I play quite a bit, not as much as you play disc golf as it, Turns out, I didn't think you were that serious about it, but you're really serious about it. Yeah. And I, pl- I applaud you for it. It's great. It's a great, great hobby. But um, I play cornhole about two days a week, sometimes three. Um, and, you know, I've been good at it for many, many years. And Brandon Bevins and I, we pretty much ran the show around here in local tournaments for <clears> – <throat> I want to say about six years. I mean, we have a, there's a, a festival here called Chilling and Grilling. And, uh, I think out of the first seven years, we won five, we won it five times out of the seven years. Um, and we've won other, other ones. Railroad Days was one of them. I don't know. We've, we've won several tournaments. But the, what's got me so intrigued about it right now is the competition. I mean, we're talking Wise County here. Um, you know, and if you go in a 50-mile circle, not 50 miles, uh, you go in a 20-mile circle, you might have 2,000 people. And you would not believe the level of talent that is developed in cornhole in this area. So as good as I was five, six years ago, and as much as we won five or six years ago, <clears throat> right now I'm playing just as well, if not better than I was then. And I rarely win a game. Really? Yes, it is. I mean, and I'm talking even with my local crowd. Um, I don't know if you, we've talked about this before, but there's a kid from big stone, um, goes to UVA wise. Uh, and then his partner was from wise and also went to UVA wise and they won the collegiate champion uh, collegiate national championship two years ago. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of what I'm playing against around here, you know, and like I went to a, a regional. Um, so you got about three levels of tournaments, uh, actually four, I think, but uh, regionals are just basically, you know, like people come from like here, we draw Kentucky, um, Tennessee, Virginia, sometimes West Virginia, because, you know, the way geographically we're in the tip of the state, we can grab a bunch of people from around there. Yeah. Um, but so I was at a regional this, this past weekend and, uh, I mean, just the, the, the people that are playing there, I mean, there were, there was one like official card carrying quote unquote pro cornhole player there. Okay. And our local guy put him out in singles. Huh. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, 
you know, it, we're not playing with chumps around here anymore. So, you know, it's just is so, so intriguing to me that how good people have got at that game and have passed me up. And it's it's really irking me right now. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> in it's, a big way. So it's not just a backyard family barbecue event day type of game anymore. I mean, it is a it's a particular skill set that people are perfecting. Like I've seen it on TV, right? Like, and I watch these guys. I'm like, Oh, okay. I thought I was kind of good at this. I I'm not, I'm not good at all at this uh, because they can put that bag exactly where they want it. They can make the bag land on whichever side of the bag they want it to land on, whether they want it to slide or stake put. Uh, they can get it in the hole or right next to the hole if they want to, right? Like it's that precise. So I see I see what you're talking about. Like there, there's that game has gone from just a fun thing you do at picnics to a sport. Like it seems like it's a real sport now. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's totally legit. I mean, I've I've played uh, the furthest regional I've played when I was playing. It's been a couple of years ago now, but I was I was playing probably three days a week at that time, and I, I was traveling just a, a little bit outside of where I would normally play. And uh, I played a uh, a tournament right on the Virginia Kentucky border around Cumberland Gap, and there were pros there, probably a half a dozen of them. And, you know, I just, I didn't have to, luckily I only matched up against one of them in the actual tournament, but most of the time at those tournaments, you have side games going on all the time, you know, when open boards yeah. uh, are there, then you you just challenge somebody to a game, play a pickup game and you play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it was the first tournament that I'd been to that there were legit pros there and plenty of them. And so I made sure when I walked in and kind of saw where everybody established, you know, these names are people that people recognize. And when I saw these people and you can usually tell them apart because they're wearing jerseys with names on the back. So yeah, like NASCAR uh, drivers. Exactly. Um, so, you know, between the jerseys and just knowing their names being in the game, you know who they are. So, um, I kind of deviated from my normal crony clan and kind of went and sat down on the other end where the pros were playing. And I was like, I'm just going to come down here and I'm going to play pickup games as much as I can and see what's up with these guys, you know? And, uh, I will say I never won a game, but I only got skunked one time. Um, which skunked means they beat you 21 to nothing. Yeah. And that guy's, that guy's name's Greg Geary. And he is, uh, he's extremely good. He's, he's on ESPN all the time. Um, I did have one of the pros down. Um, I had him down like 14 to six and then a game got called on our boards. So we had to give up the boards to let the actual tournament game go and play. Um, not saying that he wouldn't have came back and ate me alive, but I was up on him by eight points. (laughs) Um, so I was getting it done. But, you know, I've, I've hung with them. I've hung with uh, probably a half a dozen of the ESPN guys on a couple of occasions. But we have people around here that not only can hang with them, but they can beat them on a regular basis. Wow. So it's, uh, it's, it, it's just changed. And I am not only intrigued, but 
I'm kind of motivated right now to, well, to do one of two things. I got to figure out whether I can play enough to compete because if I can't compete, I'd, like I said earlier, if I don't do it well, I'm not going to do it. So, you know, I got to figure out either I'm going to compete or I'm going to quit. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah. So that's thing two. All right. Thing two, uh, done cornhole, all of that to get to cornhole. <laughs> and we're down to thing number three, uh, which is simple. Uh, tell me something stupid. I, this was, I knew this was going to be like the hardest one actually. It can be right. So it really can. It really can. You know, if I'm interviewing a comedian, it's easy for them because they'll just go, they'll just come up with one of the bits they've been working on recently or something like that. Somebody told me something stupid. Their kids said, uh, things like that. Uh, it can be a Southwest Virginia ism. If you've thought of any more of those, if you're, uh, if you're shaking like a dog getting ready to shit out a peach pit, uh, no, that, that's no? not it, Jr. So let's let's you pick the right topic. You got to get these right, man. Yeah. If you're gonna live above Roanoke, you gotta you gotta learn from the best here with these Southwest Virginiaisms. Okay. So help me say this. So when you're nervous, it's I'm shaking like a dog shit in a peach seed. What we can't change it to peach pit. Nope, that's universal. <laughs> Anybody in Southwest Virginia. <laughs> it's it's universal. So you also have nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. I get that. Nervous as a long-tailed uh, cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yeah. Okay. What's another Southwest Virginiaism? Um, well, we talked a little bit about the other day about. It's supposed to rain like you're pouring piss out of a boot. Yep. We talked about that one. Heard of that one, yes. Uh, uh, I, I know I, I know what we were talking about the other day that we, we wanted to, uh, I think, settle on this show. Uh, I described on a recent episode of my podcast uh, about how Scrapple is made. And uh, one of the steps on the journey uh, from a pig being a pig to everything that's left on the floor being swept up and made into scrapple. One of the steps in that process is, uh, is they make Vienna sausages. No, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, they do. It's what it says <laughs> on the can, a Vienna sausage, a tiny, tiny, like it looks like a hot dog, but it's not exactly a hot dog. Right. <laughs> it's only about two inches long. It's soft. It's mushy. You get a little can that comes with like six of them in there. Uh, and it you says can barbecue. You yeah, can you can get flavored it. ones now. Uh, yeah, hot sauce. Uh huh. But they're not they're not Vienna sausages. I don't care how you spell it. Where you live, they're called Vienna wings. <laughs> I I I can't understand why you're calling them Vienna weenies. Uh, was this an illiterate person who's like, what does that say? Like they were barely learning how to read, and that's what they came up with. Uh, uh, or I suspect that that is probably 100% accurate because um, I will say that. Um, so the company, <laughs> this is awesome. I forgot about that. Um, so the company that makes. Uh, and I'm going to look down my nose as I say this, Vienna sausages. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
They're Vienna sausages. I guess I, I can see where that name has sort of a highfalutin tone. But it's but you got to think that no, we're talking about Vienna sausages. So it's the exact opposite of highfalutin, even though you're using the word Vienna as in, you know, the, the town in Europe where uh, Mozart was. Right. It's not that it's, it's fucking Vienna sausages. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I have no idea um, why or how, uh, but I have a theory. So if I'm not mistaken, the company that makes Vienna weenies. <laughs> I just can't hear that without laughing. Uh, maybe that's oh, why it is. It's just entertaining to say. But you guys don't say it and laugh every single time, right? Like oh, this is no, just no, what no. they're called. That's what they are. Okay. That's what, I mean, it's pretty much everybody around here. But I think the company, <laughs> the company that makes them is Armor. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And there was a, uh, in like, uh, I want to say, I don't know when it, when it opened, but I know my granddad worked at an armor plant here in Norton. Um, it was, well, you remember where the original Crutchfield Contact Center was? I do. It, the original, well, the, the original. original. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to clarify. So not the uh, not the upstairs of that Verizon building or right. whatever, but yeah. the second one there where um, we had that, you know, we had the big building. Uh-huh. Um, it was like, know, a, the, it was a, was it a restaurant or a store or something before it was Crutchfield? Uh, one part of it had been a restaurant. I don't remember what the other part of it was, but we took over both both uh, yeah. parcels, basically. So uh, if you were standing um, you know, in front of that contact center with your back to it, you could see the railroad tracks right across the yep. way from there. Uh, the, there was an armor plant that was over there, and I really don't have any idea how long it was there. I know my granddad worked there. Um, and he died when he was 62 and I was 10. So that would have been 35 years ago. Um, and he was already retired. So I don't know what we're we talking about. It could have been there in the forties, fifties, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, the Appalachian region is not, uh, generally considered, when we're talking especially, uh, you know, low-wage workers and that kind of stuff, you know, it, there's a negative kind of non-intelligent connotation with us. You know, we have our own dialect, and some say we have our own kind of language. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, being down this far south in Virginia, it could have started from that single plant. I know, you know, it, we may be the only people here in a 50 mile radius that says by any weenies. I don't know. I, I, I'm, anytime I say it to someone that doesn't live in our area, I get the same reaction you do. They're like, <laughs> what? I mean, Vienna sausages? Um, but it could, come, it could come from that. I really, I really don't know. But that's, if you say by any weenies around here, everybody that I know will know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about Vienna sausages. Yep. <laughs> so uh, I didn't realize that at any point that they were actually made there, right? So you, you're saying that 
those cans of Vienna sausages that I might have bought in Northern Virginia could have been made in Wise County, in Nor- in the town of Norton, Virginia, uh, where maybe, I don't know, maybe the fact that that's where they are called Vienna vi- vi- weenies is maybe that. It's fun to say, isn't it? I mean, it's not fun to say. It's it's hard to say first. Like I want to say Vienna. It's hard. It's hard to change the vowels around into Vienna instead of Vienna. That's difficult. But once you do say Vienna weenies, it's like saying beanie weenies or something. Like beanie weenies is a yeah, thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but yep. if if you're telling me that where Vienna weenies are made, that's what they call them, despite what it says on the label, maybe. Maybe it's not so wrong. Like it just feels wrong uh, until I know that, right? Until I think. Well, of- it is wrong. I mean, <laughs> the fact of the matter is here is it is wrong. <laughs> I mean, I know that the A is not E Y. Right, but it's maybe. <laughs> and there's no place on there that says weenies no, either. No. But they're shaped like hot dog weenies, just cut up in smaller, right, <laughs> smaller pieces. So they just, I guess, they just couldn't figure out how to pronounce Vienna. I don't know. Or maybe we refused because the Northerners scoffed at us for being rednecks. Yeah. Hell no. So, okay, I don't know. <laughs> you, you know you, but yeah. You mentioned that uh, people with the Southern dialect are, are maybe thought of as less educated. Uh, and I, I think I'm equally guilty as anybody on when I go put on my dumb guy voice, it's a Southern guy voice. Right. Yeah. Uh, like that's just yeah it's universal it's universal i get it so what what voice what accent how do you speak when you're trying to speak like dumb guy like what's your dumb guy voice um you're pretty much getting it right now honestly (laughs) 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 no um but but seriously (laughs) um i Crutchfield working at Crutchfield actually did change my dialect and my enunciation and pronunciation in a big way. Like, you know, I customers kind of made fun of me when I was on the phone. And to this day, like if I go to um, my wife's mom and dad's house, my in-laws, because both my parents are dead. um, But, if I go to their place, you know, they're older people and they still speak in the, you know, Vainuini era, right. I guess you could say. And I find myself like going back to the way I spoke 20 years ago. Like now when I say the word dull, I say it correctly. 20 years ago, before I started at Crutchfield and started talking to people nationwide, uh uh-huh. I said dull. I said dull. Dull, yeah. As in like D O L L almost, right? Not exactly. dull, but dull. Exactly. And oil is oil. is that is oil. oil. It was, I need to get my oil changed. Yeah. And you know, people around here use words like war for wire, uh-huh. tars, tires. I got to get new tars from a truck. You know that kind of thing. And um, I don't go quite that far with the tars and the wars. But all and dull and you know stuff like that. Um, if you've got a if you've got to clean your laundry, what uh, what machine do you put it in? The washing machine. Washing machine, not the yeah. not the washing machine. 
uh, well, that is acceptable here too. But yeah. I've never, that was one that I actually never have <laughs> used. But now I know of plenty of people that say washing machine. Yeah. yeah. Wash cloth. What do you, what do you use in the bathroom? Well, wash cloth. Yeah. Wash cloth. <laughs> yeah. We don't have any wash, wash cloths clean. Fire up the washer. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's, uh, there's all kinds of those, man. I mean, I wish I'd have made a list on a list of them. Um, because another cool thing about my dad owning that sporting goods shop, um, I mean, just imagine a small mom and pop sporting goods shop that opened in 1985 and closed in 2005. Um, that 20 year span of the people in this area and, you know, like the coal industry and, you know, things like that, the, you know, the customer base that he had are the are absolutely the people that I'm talking about using mm -hmm. this kind of dialect and stuff. And that's where I got those little quips and Southwest Virginiaisms, whatever you want to call them, you know, shaking like a dog shit in a peach seed. Um, I mean, I probably have a hundred of those, but you know, I don't remember them until it's the appropriate time to say them. Yeah. You don't have uh, like, you don't have the list memorized, right? You just, they no. just, they just come out at the right moment uh, when that yeah. is applicable to the situation. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, it's hot outside and I'm walking around. I, I might be sweating like a whore in church. Well, see, that one I've heard before. And that might not be a Southwest Virginiaism, but, yeah. you know, there's there's all kinds <laughs> of those. <laughs> see, um, I told you this wasn't going to be hard. You had no problem coming up with three things. I've never done anything like this, and it was it was loads of fun. And I got to be honest with you, it was almost kind of like that speech thing I was telling you about. Um, you know, I psyched myself out about it. Yeah. Going up to it. And now, you know, it's been like super fun. I've had a great time doing it. Appreciate you inviting me on. Well, dude, thanks for doing it. Thanks for coming up with three things. And uh, there we go. That's the show. Uh, we're over and out. Have a great night, everybody. Whoa, 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 not so fast. This show's not over. I do wanted to come. I did I did want to come back and say goodbye, say goodnight. Uh, that was me at the end of the actual interview with Chris Mullins. I taped that a week and a half or so ago. Uh, but I just wanted to thank you for listening all the way here to the end. Uh, and I look forward to uh, talking with you again next week. I will be calling people this week out of the blue, hopefully uh, developing some more interviews of some really cool people. So thanks again for listening. This is JR. For three things with JR. Over and out. See you next week. I love you all. Yada, yada, yada. Goodbye. 21 years and counting.